This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Tom Hasley from Fujifilm Medical joins us to discuss PAX, VNA, and what Fujifilm is doing to leverage AI and medical imaging workloads. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipor. Zipor. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and we are going to talk about medical imaging and specifically we're going to talk about uh, Fujifilm Medical Systems. And to do that today, we have invited a special guest from Fujifilm Medical Systems. Tom Hasley's here and he's going to tell us who he is, what he does and how to reach him. Hey there, uh, this is Tom Hasley. I'm the director of uh, product development out of our Raleigh, North Carolina office. Uh, in our office, we develop the uh, radiology and cardiology uh, PAC systems, as well as our radiology information system and our AI platform. Uh, I can be reached at thasley, H-A-S-L-E-Y, at fujifilm.com. All right. And uh, Fujifilm, I mean, that has a history of being mostly camera, you know, that sort of thing. But they've expanded into other arenas here, right? I mean, the medical imaging and other things. So it's not just a camera company anymore, right? Yeah, actually, we've been in the uh, PAX business for quite a while now with our first PAX introduction uh, back in the uh, late 1999, the early 2000s, uh, and have grown to be Globally, we're the uh, have the number one market share for packs, um, but we've been in the uh, medical imaging business for quite a while, uh, both on the modality side as well as the uh, PAX software side, um, doing radiology and cardiology um, software. All right, excellent. Also with us, uh, Esteban Rubens. Uh, what do you do here at NetUp, and how do I reach you? Hi, thanks, Justin. So I'm with the NetApp healthcare team, and I focus on AI in healthcare, trying to help our customers with AI in their their healthcare environments. You can reach me at Esteban R, E-S-T-E-B-A-N-R at NetApp.com, and on Twitter at Esteban underscore AIHC for AI in healthcare. So um, in case you haven't gathered, we are here to talk about PACs and medical imaging and what it means to the industry, as well as how NetApp can help enable those uh, particular workloads. So just to start with, uh, Tom, what is Fujifilm doing with medical imaging? You know, Can you give us a little more detail about why they're relevant in that space? Sure. Um, so uh, being one of the uh, leaders in uh, medical imaging in the, in the PACS market, uh, one of our more recent initiatives is kind of working uh, with AI uh, within our PAX market. So um, we're developing some of our own uh, AI out of our uh, Tokyo office in Japan and also partnering with a number of uh, third parties here. Uh, AI seems to be one of the hot topics uh, today in uh, medical imaging as uh, radiologists are being faced with uh, uh, large volumes of images, uh, shortage of radiologists in general, and looking for help uh, in various ways uh, across the globe to manage uh, 
the amount of images as well as the uh, workload that they're facing. As far as you know, we talked about this earlier about Fujifilm being involved in this particular space since you know 2000 era. Um, what is different from how people would process medical images from then as of now with the new AI capabilities? So now, uh, what's happening because of the uh, actual volumes of the studies and uh, uh, the amount of data available within the studies, uh, radios are having a hard time, uh, in some cases, keeping up with being able to process all that data. Uh, and there's, there's also uh, aspects of uh, data that they might not necessarily be able to visually see, but it is there uh, in represented within the data. And so what AI is doing is helping to um, pull some of that data out and uh, bring it to the forefront uh, for the radiologist. It's actually, um, we're introducing it as a partner to the, to the radiologist in general. Uh, so not necessarily to replace the uh, radiologist, but to aid the radiologist in their um, kind of daily workflow and, and trying to integrate AI into their workflow to help them uh, become more efficient uh, to uh, wade through uh, this mound of uh, data that they're being faced. Yeah, and sorry, if I could add something, there's a whole movement of people who don't even like to refer to AI as artificial intelligence, and rather as augmented intelligence. And just lately, there have been a few papers, even in the last week or so, where people are trying to introduce the term uh, AHI, augmented human intelligence, just to really underscore what Tom was saying, which is not about replacing anyone, but augmenting human capabilities to uh, allow people like radiologists to deal with this deluge of data. You know, there's just even some of the, the volumes that radiologists have to deal with in some parts of the world exceed the, the cognitive capabilities of, of what humans can do in terms of reading more than one image a second. If, if you know, you do the averages, you know, in some cases, that's what they're faced with. So this is really almost the only way in which they can deal with every, and not, not to mention some of the things that, uh, like Tom mentioned about uh, data that's in the images that not may not be obvious to the human eye, but still that information is there. So as far as the AI piece and the medical uh, imaging piece goes, I mean, we, we leverage it to try to do more efficient, more accurate analysis of these medical images to maybe see things that people have missed, uh, it, you know, doing it as a human, right? So humans might miss certain aspects of medical imaging. I know sometimes you may have a fracture that you can't tell from the human eye because it's so small, but medical imaging can perhaps uh, see that. Is, that. is that something that's kind of what, where AI can help in, those, in that regard? Yeah, that's a that's a just even a small piece of it. Uh, and uh, thanks, uh, Esteban, for bringing up the augmented uh, human intelligence. What's available right now for AI for radiology really is just scratching the surface. If you went in and looked at the number of available diagnoses that are available out there for radiology imaging. And we are just a small drop, really, in the bucket of what needs to happen to cover all these uh, various areas. So you, you'll see different um, AI algorithms um, out there that uh, cover, you know, potentially you're looking at chest x-rays, for example, and they might cover, 
you know, 11 different diagnoses, but th- there's well over a hundred diagnoses for a chest, uh, um, x-ray. So this is really just helping and a small piece helping, uh, augment the radiologist. And it's not just imaging, it's also workflow. So, uh, attracting the radiologist's attention, uh, potentially to studies that might need to be looked at or, uh, are what we call triage algorithms. So there's certain algorithms that are uh, um, approved for triage that can pop up on a radiologist work list and, and call their attention to say, you might want to look at this study um, before you look at another study. And so it, it's touching all different areas of workflow, not only the um, identification on the images, but also the workflow. And eventually I think it's taking it, you know, into the diagnosis part, which is the hardest for these, uh, algorithm vendors to really gain approval for, you know, cause it, it's, uh, it's a little easy to, for, uh, algorithm, uh, to build an algorithm in some cases, to say there's something wrong with this image, you need to look at it now. And then you take it to the second step to say, there's something wrong with this image right here. Look at this. But then the third step is really, there's something wrong with this image and we're diagnosing it as a fracture or a stroke or um, cancer to that effect. So that there's all different levels that, uh, you know, AI is really, kind of augmenting that radiologist in their uh, workflow. Yeah, and I would imagine any any sort of diagnosis that it comes out with would be associated with a confidence level, right? Like we have a 65% confidence level this is a stroke or a 90% confidence level this is a fracture. Yeah, yeah. Uh, many of the algorithms do uh, uh, provide a uh, confidence score in uh, their findings. So you, can, you get a good idea of how confident they are um, in the findings. Yeah, that's definitely, definitely true. Could you tell me a little more about PACS and and VNA as, as, you know, architectures and products? Like what's, what's their purpose? And, you know, what do you typically see in medical imaging with these particular uh, rollouts? Sure. So uh, a a lot of rollouts now are enterprise wide. Uh, You know, as you, as you see, uh, many healthcare organizations are consolidating and they're trying to figure out the best way to deal with the consolidation. So uh, many organizations uh, were made up of different or disparate pack systems and all different storage across the enterprise. Uh, you find, uh, you know, some departments are storing items on CD, some of them on thumb drives, so diff- different areas uh, throughout the department, just local computers. And so as these hospitals are coming together and doing this consolidation and and IT is taking a, uh, a governance in, in some of the data, uh, they're implementing uh, VNAs. So uh, VNAs would be your uh, vendor-neutral archive, and uh, that allows the storage of all this disparate, uh, many of the times, imaging data or uh, uh, clinical systems data uh, in the VNA to be accessed um, by the various systems and PACS being one of those systems that accesses the uh, data. Usually the PACS is associated with uh, radiology or cardiology departments. Uh, uh, 
um, within the uh, hospital. So uh, I think they, they complement each other well, uh, and especially uh, within the enterprise. So as far as PAX goes, I mean, would that tie into software like Epic, where it would basically integrate with PAX and, and redirect patient records to certain folders and have the images there? Or is that something separate? Yeah, it ties in with uh, Epic. Uh, so the PAX and, and the VNA uh, tie into and integrate with numerous systems across the enterprise, uh, Epic being one of those and Epic being one of the largest uh, uh, EMRs out there. Uh, so um, where we uh, tend to integrate with Epic is uh, provide a link to uh, Epic for the referring physicians and clinicians to be able to uh, go in and access uh, imaging studies, whether they be from a PAX or from a, uh, a BNA. I understand that there's some algorithms in, involved with Fujifilm. What sort of algorithms does Fujifilm use and what other sort of algorithms do you integrate with? Sure. So there's, uh, you know, what we're uh, introducing and what we're uh, creating in our uh, North Carolina office is the uh, AI platform. And what that's allowing us to do is to introduce some of our own Fujifilm algorithms uh, that are uh, being created out of our uh, Fujifilm Tokyo office. But we're focusing right now as well on as our uh on our third party uh, integration. So we're working with a number of uh, uh, third parties out there um, uh, to kind of integrate their uh, seamlessly within the workflow, integrate their AI results so that the radiologists don't have to learn multiple interfaces for different AI vendors. Uh, the goal is really to utilize the platform and streamline and provide consistency for the end user so that when they open up a study in their PAC system, they're getting that same interface uh, regardless if it was a stroke AI algorithm, a chest algorithm, a mammography algorithm. They're not having to go and learn uh, you know, company A, company B, and company C's interface in order to be able to interact with those. That's huge because burnout is a big problem in healthcare, and we hear that from our customers all the time. If you have a really great solution that requires a different application, a different UI, as Tom was saying, it's kind of a losing proposition because people are just too overworked and, and they don't have the mental space to do that. But on the other hand, if you integrate these new technologies that clearly can both improve patient care and provider satisfaction by reducing burnout, you have, you have a winner. So that's why it's so important to, to highlight these uh, integrations because it's the quickest path, right, to, to get adoption of something that is valuable, right, that can help patients. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been extremely well received. And I think uh, what a lot of people aren't realizing is, you know, we're, at least in the U.S. right now, we're so early into, uh, our many sites are so early into the AI market and just getting their feet wet that they're looking at potentially one algorithm, you know, at a time, like, oh, what can I do to help me with lung nodules? What can I do to help me with uh, stroke? 
and they're focusing on that. And at, at first, it doesn't seem much because if if they introduce a new interface, you're like, oh, that's one company, one interface. But when I when I touched on early on about all the different diagnoses, uh, you know, anybody that's gone to RSNA the past year, I, I mean, I was talking with uh, vendors that were, you know, I mean, everything from foot fractures to uh, meniscus tear algorithms to um, ankle uh, uh, ankle fracture algorithms, uh, Alzheimer's disease. So, and they all had different interfaces. So, uh, you know, once your once your organization starts diving in deep into the uh, AI realm, this the platform is going to be a huge importance uh, to kind of unify and, and streamline that workflow, or it's just going to cause the radiologist more work rather than less work. So Esteban, as far as NetApp solutions go, I mean, what are we telling people that want to implement PACs or VNAs or, you know, any sort of medical imaging on our systems? So a couple of things there. One is this idea of a, a data lake or whatever you want to call it that Tom was mentioned before with enterprise imaging, you bring all these images from different departments and specialties into one archive. And it's very important because if you think about anybody engaging in research, you know, an academic medical center, for instance, they want to be able to access all this data, all this imaging data in a unified fashion, right? You don't want to be hunting around in 25 different clinical systems to be able to get to that research, you know, to build your training data sets or, you know, anything else that the data scientists may be doing. And this is very relevant because if you think about your, your typical standard health organization, they're going to be running between hundreds and a few thousand applications. So there's just a, a jungle of applications and data silos out there. So one thing we do well, and we've been doing very well for decades now, is putting things together, right? Eliminating silos, bringing everything under one umbrella where you can access all this data in different ways, you know, with different, um, you know, different protocols and move the data around in different kinds of storage media, whether it's on-prem or in the cloud. So that is one thing that we do very well that, that's relevant to AI research. And another one is also uh, in terms of helping data scientists, for instance, we've developed a whole series of technologies that we call the AI control plane that help with all the data preparation stage stages and, and really simplify and streamline the AI pipeline. There are many stages in an AI pipeline. You have acquisition, you have uh, data prep that includes uh, normalization and cleansing and uh, you know many other steps that are very time consuming. As a matter of fact, a lot of data scientists complain that the data prep stage can take 70, 80% of their time. So they're, they're really not doing data science much at all if you consider how much time they spend on it. So with the um, AI control plane, we're really able to help out the projects in general, right? So uh, accelerate the time that uh, they, or make it easier to get insights from that data ultimately. And this is really a big ecosystem because everybody's participating in different ways. You know, you go from sort of the infrastructure side where you have NetApp, for instance, uh, 
we deal more with the data management side. You have NVIDIA dealing with the GPU compute. Then you have all the uh, clinical application partners like FMSU, like Fujimad, with PACs and VNA and everything else and integrating algorithms, you know, their own and third party. And then you have the data scientists. So it takes really a, a pretty large village to get this stuff done. But importantly, if you don't have all the pieces lining up together efficiently, it's really complicated to get good results. So we are uh, a very active participant in this ecosystem. So, so Tom, you know, bouncing off of what Esteban's saying there, does it kind of echo some of the challenges that you have when you're trying to design these solutions? Oh, sure, definitely. Uh, the data management, as Esteban mentioned, really is the the, the biggest hurdle that uh, that we face. That you know, we talk to a number of uh, data scientists, and cre- creating the algorithms are not really the 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 hard part in many cases, I wouldn't say all cases, but in many cases, it's the data management of all the data. Uh, um, one, trying to acquire the data and to, to acquire the data, it really is all that preparation that Esteban was alluding to, the anonymization and, and the, the massaging of the data and, and making sure that it's all in the right format and being able to move that data around uh, and store the volumes of data needed to be able to conduct some of these uh, um, algorithm studies. So that's not our area, you know, that, that we're focused on. Um, we're focused on, you know, the, uh, the, the platform and, and the packs. So it, it's good to have um, this data management, you know, and knowing that it's, it's taken care of uh, very well. I would imagine that includes things like organizing and tagging that data too, so that the algorithms can pick up the right pieces of data. So it's not using faulty data for their, for their analysis. Right, right. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, uh, tagging the data is definitely important because, you know, as as you're developing the algorithms and bringing these algorithms through, uh, you know, the FDA or, or through governing bodies, you need to um, account for where your data has come from um, and, and the different tags on the data, you know, what kind of modal, um, what modality vendors it's come from, what was the size of the studies, what, what, um, what uh, hospitals. So all of that needs to be managed. And, and, and that's a, that's a tall uh, task to undertake. We, can't think about these data pieces and algorithms without considering the customer use cases. So what kind of uh, interesting use cases have you run across in your experience with these imaging? Oh, uh, yeah. So, so we've run across a, a number of different use cases. And I would say, you know, uh, obviously the most recent that, that we're uh, hearing about is uh, the COVID situation that's out there. And so a lot of vendors are, you know, running, uh, you know, as fast as they can to uh, create some COVID related algorithms that, you know, would be sufficient uh, to handle uh, or diagnose uh, COVID. So there's a number of vendors out there for that. Um, But we also, you know, it's uh, published out there on the internet, you know, uh, of the project that we did in uh, Mexico. 
not too long ago. So we started at the uh, end or uh, third quarter last year in, in Mexico where, you know, they're looking at solutions for uh, chest x-rays and uh, mammography uh, where they're just being uh, deluged with a number of uh, chest imaging and mammography imaging that, that they need help with, with the data. And so we're able to partner with a uh, third-party algorithm vendor there to bring those solutions, you know, through the platform and present them into the packs uh, and, and really help, uh, you know, streamline their workflow in, in both of those areas. And we've seen some, uh, in, you know, some improved reading times in some cases uh, uh, by introducing the AI because uh they're they're they have they build up a confidence level once they use it and they they start begin to trust it and they know um that the ai and the algorithms uh you know are trustable and so that that's definitely uh helped in in that area esteban what about you what have you uh seen out there for customer use cases what all comes to mind i think uh Fujimed does this, is a company that has algorithms for ultrasound imaging where you get a malignancy score uh, based on, on the acquired images, and that's pushed out to the packs so that both the sonographer, the technologist, and the radiologist can see this. Obviously, they can agree or disagree. It's, it's an interactive, bidirectional uh, process. But it helps out as kind of a second opinion, right? And this is another example of uh, an augmented intelligence type of, of concept that maybe alleviates some of the pressure or streamlines the reading process. Um, Tom, th- this is something that, that you guys do, right, with, um, with Koyos? Yeah, so Koyos, uh, we present, in, uh, um, we present in, in the packs and we allow, that's a, it's a more uh, radiologist interactive algorithm. Uh, so the radiologist uh, does receive the ultrasound breast images and uh, we have dedicated a viewport in the packs that allows that interaction so that they can identify any area of concern and then interact with Koyos. Um, uh, kind of a, it's almost like a live interaction. Uh, uh, so that that we've uh, received some good feedback uh, so far. It's all very uh, geography dependent, right? So there's a lot that is relevant in maybe the U.S. or Western Europe. And then Tom was mentioning that use case in Mexico. Um, I came across a, a few different use cases where you have countries with very, very few radiologists, right? Where there's um, maybe very, very highly populated countries like Nigeria or Indonesia, where there are really per capita almost no radiologists compared to the U.S. or, or Western Europe. So there, it's a matter of really bringing imaging to millions of people who just don't have access to it. So it's uh, helping the reading process. It's maybe enabling different kinds of uh, teleradiology uh, triaging. And then on the modality side, there's another one that I find really interesting and has a really also interesting tie-in with Fujimed. Uh, it's a company called Sonosite that Fuji acquired that does point-of-care ultrasound. So these are very small handheld ultrasound devices, you know, with 
uh, very uh, versatile transducers where you connect them to a, a smartphone, for instance, or a tablet. So there's uh, a lot of interesting work being done with AI and point of care ultrasound where AI not only is used to maybe do some identification or segmentation of the images that are acquired, but there's, uh, I just saw recently, maybe in the last week, there was something approved by the FDA where the AI algorithm helps the person acquiring the images acquire good images. You know, obviously it's, it requires a lot of training to be a sonographer, to acquire images properly. But if you're out in the field and you don't really have training and maybe you need to acquire an image, the, there's, there's AI there that guides you and says, well, you know, maybe you should move the transducer this way or that way. And it's not just in the uh, identification, segmentation, kind of things tending towards uh, a diagnosis, but just in the basic acquisition, right? And so that's another thing that Fuji uh, does because it's not just the PACS uh, software side, it's the modality side as well and how those two play together. I mean, that's a good point. Uh, earlier on, uh when Esteban was talking about uh, different areas of the globe, I think you mentioned Nigeria and there's other areas in the globe that, you know, they're able to um, capture the imaging, but they don't have enough radiologists to be able to interpret the images. So even just having an algorithm that could tell you if a patient has TB or, or suspected TB or not would be extremely useful for, um, those areas and help them to triage and follow up on, on certain patients, uh, more quickly, uh, and, and, uh, in, you know, better help with the turnaround time. So, uh, Tom, any closing thoughts? Um, well, I think this has been a, uh, a great talk. And I, I think, uh, what we're really trying to do is try to, use uh, and leverage our Synapse PAC system and the fact that it is uh, considered a, a, an enterprise-wide system to bring AI you know, to the end user to help augment their, their workflow. So I, I think in the end, you know, we, we're really here to you know, help and partner with the radiologists uh, in their everyday uh, PACs uh, interactions and we're just trying to help wade through that data and and make their jobs uh somewhat easier and, and uh, uh help them get through their day and get through the the data esteban how about you absolutely first of all thank you tom it's been great having you uh we've known each other for for a while now and uh i really admire what you guys are doing we've been partnering for a long time, uh, certainly on the, the enterprise imaging side, and I look forward to deepening that partnership between FMSU, Fujimed, and, and NetApp uh, as we move more into the AI world and, and kind of powering up uh, the, the enterprise imaging world with AI. Um, beyond that, I would just encourage anyone interested in learning more to visit netapp.com slash AI and netapp.com slash healthcare. There are a lot of examples of the things that we've been doing and what we see in the market and of descriptions of uh, what the healthcare team has been up to. You can also find more information about Fujifilm at fujifilmhealthcare.com. 
And also, reili.fujifilm.com. We'll include those links in the show notes. And I appreciate you guys having me on today. Uh, this, this has been great. Excellent. Yeah, thanks for joining us. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via TechOnTapPodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Tom Wosley and Esteban Rubens for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.